They're back on the Football Outside the Box podcast, where we discuss the past, the present, and the future of football. First, I'd like to start this weekend out by saying RIP Queen Elizabeth, condolences to her family and all the people, countries who she's touched and affected, and also to the whole country of England. That is why we took an extended break from the Football Outside the Box podcast as the matches were postponed. And this also carries on into this weekend's fixtures. Some have been confirmed to go ahead and some have been confirmed postponed. So let's kick started off with the reigning champions, Manchester City. They travel bright and early to Wolves. Manchester City, how do you feel that they can handle this one? Are they going to come back and get their three points that they really desperately need at this point? Um, I mean, I, I just just looking back on history, Wolves have somewhat had City's numbers. City, as we know, always susceptible on the counter. But this time, I don't know. I mean, I just feel that Wolves have been so lacking up front in terms of scoring goals. That's we're seeing that in response to that. They signed a striker who's now out for months with an ACL injury. And in response to that, they've signed Diego Costa. That is all in reaction to their struggles in front of goal. And you can City, you can hit City on the counter as much as you want. If you're not scoring, you're not, you're not getting those chances. You're not getting the win. So I just feel with the recent struggle for Wolves in front of goal, I feel that City are going to win this game. But we know Wolves can cause troubles. I, I think they've started with Neto and Podense. That center forward position, I, I would assume it's going to go to Jimenez unless he's out injured. Their new signing, another new signing, um, Geds, Gonzalo Geds, could be up there as well. I just feel that they're not going to be clinical enough to get a result against City here. You mentioned about the threat on the counter. Geddes is someone who, to me, has looked impressive so far, especially on the counter like that. He's got a lot of pace, a lot of energy. Kind of similar to Pedro Neto in my eyes. Almost like, I'd say a little less energetic, but does have some more experience. But... Talking about how those players and that style and that energy links up with a player like Diego Costa, who is very much robust, strong, hold-up, target man kind of striker. Do you not believe that that kind of chemistry or that kind of mix of talents and abilities could provide some good balance up front and kind of add another dimension that Wolves were missing? 
maybe Diego Costa could be the difference here. Do you think that could be a possibility? Well, let me ask you a question. What year are we in right now? We're just looking at different abilities combining. That's what we're looking at. I know, I just... I mean, Jimenez is certainly that, that striker, a focal point up top who can provide strength and that link-up play. Jimenez, when in form, is a great striker. Jimenez, when in form, is a great striker for Wolves. It's just that he hasn't really hit his his top form prior to his was it his head injury, I think, that he suffered against Arsenal. He's come back. It took a long time to come back after that. But he just hasn't been the same ever since. And he's been even more injury prone. Diego Costa, I mean, we saw what he can do at Chelsea, right? He was a force to be reckoned with. But I feel that at this stage of of his career, I mean, ideal, I mean, ultimately what you want from a striker is goals. You want them to score goals. And Neto is very inconsistent in terms of goal scoring. Geds is more of a destroyer type. I, I just don't see a finisher on that team right now. So we're looking at City then. We're looking at a City comfortable win. You don't think that... You believe that maybe chances could be created, but you just don't think that there's enough for Wolves to truly mount a result here. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be comfortable, I don't think. But Wolves have to make... I mean, it's not just Wolves, right? Anybody who comes up against City... are going to have to make the most out of the limited chances they get. And with the recent form of Wolves, very doubtful. So no never screamer here in this one. Hey, I mean, he's done it before. <laughs> never rule, rule it out, I guess. But he pulls that out once or twice a season, and we've already seen it once. So what are the odds of that happening again? In the first five game weeks, you know, let alone the whole season. Not too high, probably. That's what we love about this sport. You can never tell. And we will always see. Moving on to North London. Tottenham are taking on Leicester. Hurricane against his old club. Do you think he's going to score against his old club? <laughs> Oh, Tottenham. Tottenham. I mean, what are they doing? I mean, you watch the game against Sporting, at least parts of it. What do you think is wrong with Spurs right now? I would say Tottenham at times look very disjointed. I feel like especially when they're given permission to have the ball from the other team. I believe that they kind of struggle. They look almost out of their comfort zone when they have the ball. It's like they don't know what to do with it. It looks like they haven't trained about how to build up from the back or what kind of patterns or styles they want to take on when they do have the ball. And it just seems like their game plan is 
much more better suited when they sit and try to counter. I believe that they have a lot of defensive shape and organization as to where the players need to be defensively to cover up gaps. But on the attack, it's like they are just, they just don't know what to do. They look lost to me. I do want to say that Richardson has stepped in quite quite commendably. I will say that his two goals in the Champions League last week, great headers. And you can see that even in this game against Lisbon and even in previous games in the Prem, you can see that he has aerial prowess. You can definitely see that. He, for someone who is not a tall, big number nine type of striker, or a classic number nine striker, because he obviously wears a number nine, but that's not the, ty the type of player he is. He's actually very good in the air. He has a lot of control. Like You can see that it goes towards goal. Almost better than his feet. It's so weird, but I do commend his impact since he's arrived. And it looks to me like he's almost becoming the new son. Because where the fuck has son been? Like, to be honest. I know he's your countryman, but boy, this guy has been missing. Richarlie's son. That's where he's been. I mean... <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I saw a stat the other day. Tottenham have had the most touches inside their own box. I think it was in England. Or it might have been the Europe's top five leagues. That type of stat is something you expect from a lower half team. In in a sense where, like you said, they sit back and try to soak up pressure. Which is, in in reverse, inviting pressure from the opposition and trying to hit them on the counter. And Tottenham, it fits them, that style. It fits them. And that's how Conte won the league at Chelsea. Was it five years ago, I think? But you, you're going to have to offer something different. You know, they their style, like you said, their build-up play, it's not working because I don't think teams are getting drawn out. The whole point of them passing around the back and their build-up is very slow, very, very much focused on the back. And that is because they want to draw the opposition out. And in return, they attack in behind with the with this pace of the player that they have. And teams are just not falling for it. And that's why you're not, especially like uh, the midweek game against Sporting, teams are not going to fall for it. Teams know what they want to do. And of course, they have the likes of Kane, Son, Richarlison, like you said, have stepped up. But you can't... I don't know how they're undefeated in the league. Maybe it's the opposition. Maybe it's the opposition. Uh, sporting, I think they won the Portuguese league last year. Or maybe came in second. I don't know exactly, but... Uh, I, I mean, it. I don't know. It, it hurts for me as someone who touted them as as a title contender. They, they look nothing close to a title contender. They're performing even worse than worse than us. How about from a Leicester standpoint? 
we know that they've struggled this season, but do you see any way for them to to get a result here? I, 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 yeah, I mean, just because it's it's at Tottenham, Leicester are gonna try to sit back. I hope they do, because they need a result. They need a result badly, and I think both teams will be looking at each other, thinking that is what a great opportunity to to grab a win. On Tottenham side, they're facing a winless Leicester. From Leicester's point of view, they're facing. A team that's sitting in third, but who have not performed at all. And we know, everyone knows how to attack Tottenham, like we just mentioned. So, I, I would expect their new centre-back, Vaut Foss, I think that's how you say his name. He, I would expect him to slot in a centre-back, along with Johnny, Evan, Johnny Evans, which would push Ndidi up to midfield, which should bring them a lot more solidity in the midfield. Is Did the two-week break help Leicester? I don't know. I don't know if, if... If you're struggling that bad, I don't know if you would rather play or if you would rather take some time to reorganize, reorganize yourself. But we'll see how the two weeks have worked out for Leicester. And I'm going to go for... I'm going to bet on them to make a draw here. Tottenham's yeah. performance just... It does not give me any confidence. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like this is just screaming draw. I'm smelling a draw here, honestly. Moving on to the final match that we are going to preview this weekend to the other side of North London. We are playing away from home, but we're going to be looking at the current league leaders in Arsenal Football Club. League leaders, number one, first place. Who's for first right now? Arsenal. Arsenal, currently first place right now. <laughs> Did I mention Arsenal was first? Um, We are traveling to Brentford. Brentford did, earlier in the season, have a 4-0 thrashing to Man United. So... We do have to be on our toes for this one. They could definitely produce some goods in this fashion. So I think Arsenal are going to have to be on the toes here. Yep. sorry. Before we go into the actual games, uh, I, I do want to point out, for those of you who are not aware, Brighton Palace are one of the games that's been postponed. I don't think that's due to the funeral. I think there was something about the rail strike that was already going to postpone this game. And Chelsea Liverpool have been postponed. You you would understand. I mean, the day before the funeral in Chel in that in Chelsea that hosts what forty five thousand people. In our game against Leeds, I don't know for what reason. I mean, I think we were just punished for having a huge stadium. If we were playing Palace away, which was our fixture last week, our game would be on. Like. Like the Brentford game is on, you know, it's it's only what Brentford is only on the suburbs of London and it's still being played because they have a small stadium. But whatever, I know Arsenal's game against PSV was postponed as well. It's, it's just a mess. But Brentford, I 
don't like them. I I might hate them even more than I hate Arsenal. Not because of the four 0 thrashing. I I just I just don't like the manager. I think he's a hypocrite. I'm not the only one who thinks that way. This guy, when he was in the championship dominating the teams, he was basically calling the opposition teams terrorist football. And guess what he does when he comes up to the Premier League? He plays the exact same way. I understand Premier League. You you have to, but don't make yourself look like such a fool by making those comments. But anyway, uh, just diving into the individuals a little bit. Ivan Tony scored a hat trick at Leeds, I believe it was. This was two weekends prior, because as we know, uh, the games were postponed. Ivan Tony is going to provide a different type of test. I mean, you look at him, he doesn't seem like the type, but he's very physical. He's good in the air, too. Defensively, they're going to operate a three at the back. We already know. Try to close the gap. Brentford always step up, seem to step up at least, when the big boys come to town. Only thing that Arsenal could rely on, I'm just talking nonsense here, is that it's not being played under the lights. It's a very early kickoff. It's a 12 o'clock kickoff, I think. That's lunchtime. It's going to be bright and shiny. Well, maybe not because it's not always sunny in England. Um, But we know what happened last time Arsenal visited Brentford last season. 2-0. A warm welcome to Brentford for the Premier League. But I just feel that in this game, I'm not... I don't think Brentford are a good team. I know people love to praise them. People love the manager. People love the way they play, their passion, their fans. I don't think they're that good of a team. They should have been relegated without Eriksen last year. I expect Arsenal to get a result here. Is there anything that worries you in this game? You spoke about Ivan Tony's threat in the air. I'm not too worried about that because our centre-backs are huge and dominant in the air. Gabriel, 6'3", Saliba, 6'4". Not too worried about that one, to be honest with you. Um, I would... Well, well, but he also has the pace to get him behind. Not just him, but Mbemo can also provide that as well. Again, two centre-backs who are very quick. I consider Gabriel and Saliba very, very quick. My concern about this one is less on the defensive side. To me, it would be more on the attacking front. I see Brentford sitting back, clogging up the gaps, being difficult to break down. And something that I have spoken about in the past or recently with Arsenal is our difficulty in creating clear-cut chances. And I don't know if we will be able to consistently provide those chances, especially if the goal prolongs. So if we don't score and it ends and it goes nil-nil to even like the 60th, 70th minute, I'm going to start worrying because I'm going to feel like, okay, well, this could start getting stale. We could start running out of ideas. We don't really have 
many different avenues for creativity as in different patterns of play i feel like if we're going to be creating from the right wing it's going to be through saka if we're going to create through the left wing it's going to be through martinelli and then through the middle is odegaard it's not fluid i i feel in terms of there's not much rotation in the actual squad itself who are on the field i don't feel like i could see oh now it's um martinelli coming to the middle, Saka going to the left, Odegaard switches out to the right. I don't feel like there's there's going to be... I feel like we just sometimes are easy to predict, if I can put it like that. So, if we score early and we give ourselves that kind of cushion in case we don't create or in case we don't score again after that, I believe that's going to relieve a lot of the pressure. But I think as the pressure mounts, the longer we don't score is the more difficult it's going to be and the more Brentford are going to try and hold out for that draw. And then it's just going to make things more difficult for us. Yeah, I think if you look at the Arsenal three away games that they've played so far, first two games they've scored early on, first game of the season, Palace, they started, started very well. The goal came in the 20th minute, I believe. And then the rest of the game, they were being countered. They were being pinned back, almost. Second game, Bournemouth. I mean, it was pretty much a gift. Three goals, three quick goals to ice the game. Against United at Old Trafford, they did score first again, um, which was ruled out eventually. Like you said, early goals have helped Arsenal, especially away from home. This doesn't just apply to Arsenal. But early goal is key for any team. That's that's what happened to us when we played Arsenal. We scored first, and it allowed us to play that way. Yeah, we know what Brentford are going to do. They're going to try to sit back. The only way to counter that is to score, to score first, to not allow them to sit back. And we'll, we will see if Arsenal have enough power and I don't want to say will, but ability um, to score first, like they have done in their previous two away games, to to the lower half teams. I'm not going to put us in the lower half. That's just stupid. So we'll see. Uh, but I I believe Arsenal will come out on top because I I don't I have no faith in Brentford being a good team. Another quick note I will say that would worry me. But again, it all ties back to the original point we were discussing about the early goal. But our midfield is so short at the moment. And I just worry that we won't necessarily have the physical capacity to keep up in a match like this. Because you know Brentford are going to play physical. I know Xhaka will be up to the challenge and I know that those guys will be Odegaard. I can see him tracking back and being being physical as well with the team. I love Lakanga. I think he's coming and done a shift as well as he could. He, I, I don't really have any complaints about him as far as his work ethic. I think he's coming. He's been honest, professional. But I just not sure if he's up for a physical battle to this degree yet 
And that is one thing that I just want to put out there to say, okay, let's be wary of this. If Arteta would want to shift it around to kind of just add some more physicality in there, you know, he might want to even try Ben White in CDM. I've heard good things about him there. Tomiyasu is back. He could slot him back at right back. Or, in my eyes, I don't think it'd be a crazy idea to try Tomiyasu at CDM, honestly. But a whole fresh position for him right away, that's kind of risky. I'd rather you try that in the Europa League or something when we're winning. Try it in one of the League Cup matches if we're winning as well. Something like that. But, to the point, Lakanga, it's a question for me. He's great when we're on top, when we're killing teams, when we are pressing them and he has license to get forward. But when we need some physical aggression in the midfield, a physical challenge to win duels, to win the 50-50s, I'm not sure if Lakanga is ready yet. Well, I, I don't think you need to worry. I, I think Partey's going to start. He's, he's back, right, in full training. So if Partey's back in full training, I don't see how Arteta doesn't start him. Does Arteta want to rush him back, though, to get injured again for another four games? I'd rather wait a bit. Let him get truly, fully 100% ready, match fit. Ease him back into it. It doesn't make sense to force him back, rush him back, and then he gets injured again for another four games. We have a very tough run coming up. We have Leeds coming up. We have Liverpool coming up. We have Tottenham coming up. Difficult run of games. Well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, the medical department will know better than us or even the manager. So, sure. Just a quick fire Villa or Southampton traveling to Villa prediction. I got to go Southampton on this one. I mean, both teams have been struggling, but. I feel Villa have been struggling worse, honestly. Wow. Okay. I'm going to go for a draw here. Fulham, this is a battle of, of the promoted team. Sorry. This is a battle of the promoted teams. Fulham traveling to Forest. Has to be Fulham. Yeah, I think it only makes sense. Um, you, you would rather play Forest right now when they're still gelling. So I think I'm going to go for Fulham as well. Another promoted team, Bournemouth, an impressive win last time out. Travel to Newcastle. I think it's an also a no-brainer here. Newcastle's <laughs> taking the win. Yeah, Eddie Howe facing his former team. And lastly, to finish off the game week, West Ham travel to Everton. <laughs> Tough. I think West Ham edges it though. Yeah, this is a tough one. I, I I just have a feeling that Everton come out on top just about. I'm gonna go for Everton here. Let's see. Let's see. And that is about the time we have here today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We always appreciate when you guys tune into the discussions. Um, we'd love to hear your feedback on some of these discussions as well. Want to hear your opinions, who you guys think is going to win, what you guys think about how the teams are playing. Let us know your thoughts. Leave the comments in the Facebook page. You can DM us as well on there. But in order to do that, you got to like the Facebook page first. 
And that is in the description. That link is right there. So check it out. Don't forget to subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether that's Apple, Spotify. Share us with a friend as well. Tell one of your friends about us. Share, share our page on iMessage, WhatsApp, whatever your preferred method is. Hit the download button. But most importantly, don't forget to turn on those notifications so you guys don't miss an episode. And stay up to date. That will be it for today's episode. Thank you very much for tuning in as always. Thank you very much. And peace out. Mm-hmm.